This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Paul Gorst and Kai Delaney, both with me, as we talk through the Champions League draw and all of the rest of the latest Liverpool topics after they beat Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa last weekend and play Newcastle United on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about all of those things in the next few minutes. But, Gorsty, the biggest story from today is the Champions League draw. Second time lucky or potentially a little bit unlucky for Liverpool in that they've got a slightly harder draw second time around. Into Milan, it is going to be in the last 16. What's your reaction to that and the very strange sort of events of, of the two Champions League draws that we've had to sit through today. Yeah, well, the, the first one was a bit strange, wasn't it? Um, Andre Arshavan was doing the draw and he obviously picked out Manchester United against Villarreal. And, and when, when I seen it, I thought, hang on, is that even allowed? And then uh, I put something in, in our work group about it and didn't really get a response. And then they kind of... Just said, oh well, United can't draw City, uh, can't draw Villarreal, so um, you'll have to do it again. And then he pulled up Man City, and it was all a bit strange, wasn't it? It was like, well, surely there's, there's got to be some sort of integrity question there, and it's compromised the entire draw. And then within about what 10 15 minutes after the, the draw was completed, they started hearing things on Twitter and stuff that it was going to be redrawn and then it was confirmed so they moved it to two o'clock and then we were just waiting to see what the redraw was um, I think Liverpool will have preferred the first one over the over the second one it's a trip to Inter Milan um, Italian champions of course and uh, probably a better team than Red Bull Salzburg I think you want even the, the Salzburg of 2019 when they had Minamino and Wang and of course Erling Haaland and, and Jesse Marsh as well he's obviously just been sacked at RB Leipzig so um yeah, Liverpool will much have preferred the, the first draw, but um, I've written in a kind of hastily rewritten preview piece today that Liverpool won't be scared of anyone they get in the draw. Um, I think alongside City, Bayern Munich and possibly Paris Saint-Germain, they are the four big hitters in this competition. It's kind of a little bit of a change in landscape in European football at the moment. Barcelona aren't even in the last 16. Manchester United are not the force of old Real Madrid. Or not either. So um, a little bit of a an opportunity to um, to grasp the, the what, what's the phrase? Grasp the, the the brass knuckle. Is it reach for the reach for it? And, and something that Liverpool can definitely do because they've been obviously Champions League winners in 2019, um, finalists in 2018. And had it not been for a crippling injury list last season, he would have given Real Madrid more of a game than he did across those two legs. So um, I think Liverpool will. Um, Will have preferred the first one, but they won't be losing too much sleep over the second one, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that's the the fundamental point, isn't it, Kai? Whoever Liverpool had got, even if they'd have got Paris Saint-Germain, they'd have still fancied themselves to do it. Salzburg would have been slightly easier, but Inter Milan, as Gorsty said, Italian Serie A champions, but Liverpool should still, over the two legs, be able to beat them. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad draw at all. Um, I think, you know, most most people associated with Liverpool probably would have taken that before the draw was made, um, before the first draw was made, I should say. Um, yeah, I think if, if they'd have got PSG, even as you say, they'd have fancied themselves. Obviously, they got the star-studded lineup up front, but uh, I think you can get at them defensively. And I think uh, anyone in the competition, Liverpool would, would fancy themselves and back themselves as favourite. You know, certainly with 
fans back and involved at Anfield this season. We saw how much of a, a factor the Anfield crowd has been in their runs to the final in um, in Kiev and then, of course, winning it in Madrid. So, yeah, I think uh, Liverpool won't have, have any concerns. And, and this inter-side, it's a little bit similar to AC Milan, where you know great, great club and heritage and history and the, the badge probably is maybe a bit more stronger than the, the squad and the team they're going to face on the pitch. The likes of Edin Zeko, Alexis Sanchez, they've got a few few names, but maybe the best years are behind them. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think Liverpool have too many concerns. The away goals rule, Gorsty, has obviously been taken away this time. That's not something that Liverpool will have to think about. I'm a little bit conflicted on it. I'm not quite sure whether it's the right thing or not. Will it make any difference, do you think, to, to Liverpool? Or is it just one of those things that it just it is what it is? Uh, maybe, uh, you know, for Liverpool under previous manager, yes. You know, you'd argue that Rafa Benitez might have set Liverpool up a little bit differently away from home to at home, but I don't really think Liverpool change too much nowadays, do they, under Ian Klopp with the current squad that they've got. They do just tend to look to go out and, you know, kind of um, exert their own stamp on, on proceedings and um, don't worry too much about the opposition. Obviously, they will have certain plans for certain players and whatever else, but um, I don't think it's quite an issue as, as what it might have been in the past, particularly when when you think of the squad that Liverpool have got as well now, you know, it's um, star-studded, isn't it? It's not the 05 team under Benitez where you had to kind of play cat and mouse here and there and didn't quite have firepower. You know, this is a Liverpool team that will go anywhere now with the number one player in the world and, and Mohamed Salah and, you know, Trent and Alisson Van Dijk, Matip and Fabinho, just kind of that, you know, um, brick wall really down, down the centre of the pitch. It's a real solid spine that they've got, isn't it? Thiago Shetland in now alongside Henderson and Fabinho on a more consistent basis than we've ever seen since he's been at Liverpool. And um, they've got four going into three up front with the return of Firmino and obviously Jota's been in great form. So, yeah, all over the pitch, Liverpool have got quality. So I don't think um, they'll be going into certain games worrying about, you know, getting away goal and then, We'll sit on it for half an hour and try and catch another one. I think they'll just go and just put their personality um, onto onto the pitch and, and see how they go. Yeah, home and away so far this season, goal scoring hasn't been a massive issue, has it? So I'm sure Liverpool will be very much the, the favourites for, for the tie and would we'll expect to go through. Just having a look at a couple of the other ties, Kai. Man City playing sport in Lisbon. Chelsea got Lille in the first and the second draw. How big an impact do you think it will have in terms of the Premier League title race that Liverpool have probably got the hardest draw out of their title rivals? I, I don't think at this stage it will maybe have as much of an impact. Um, I do think, you know, l- later down the line when the, the fixtures are more congested and each each game, you know, you, you've, you've maybe got 10 or 12 games left and every game is... Uh, is really valuable and important. It might have more of a, an impact later down the line, but I think at this stage, um, you know, Liverpool have, have got the the squad certainly to deal with two or three games a week. Um, yeah, we, we saw how seriously Klopp's taken the competition. They'd already won five on the bounce and, and confirmed top spot, and he still started Salah and, and Mane at San Siro in what was effectively a, a dead rubber for Liverpool. So, um, yeah, you know, all, all three of the English teams, City and Chelsea included a well-equipped to deal with the the load and the games that are going to come when you go deep into these competitions. Um, Chelsea obviously dealing with a few more injuries at the moment, but you know Liverpool have been there last year. I don't think what Chelsea are going through is anywhere near what Liverpool had to deal with. 
Um, but yeah, I think at this stage, it's really an issue. And of course, Manchester United playing Atletico Madrid, Gorsty, Real Madrid, PSG, another big tie that kind of stands out. I think for me, it probably helps Liverpool in some ways that a couple of those big runs have drawn against each other. In that first draw, it was very much, you thought if the favourites went through, it'd be a really strong last eight. There are a couple of ties here where either a big team is going to go out or a smaller team against a smaller team. One of those has got to go through. I think in that sense, even though Liverpool have got a harder draw in the last 16, it might actually help them in the long term. Yeah, it's a good point. A uh, really good point, I think. Um, I, I mean, that, you know, obviously, Inter Milan, the Serie A champions are going to be a, more of a difficult prospect than the Austrian champions, you, you would imagine. But I still don't think Liverpool will be too worried about them, particularly since since they've won Serie A, they've lost the manager, they've lost the star striker, and they've lost um, Hakimi, who's obviously left as well. So um, they're really struggling in terms of finances and, you know, um, defending the, the Serie A title. I think it's actually AC Milan who's top of Serie A at the moment, isn't it? Or it was before the weekend's round of games and Liverpool have beaten AC Milan home and away. So I don't think the cross-city cousins are going to cause too much of a of an issue as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point in terms of the other draws, seeing the likes of possibly round with or PSG get knocked out. Does the um, the country kind of exclusion thing does that come off for the for the quarterfinals? So, for, for the quarters, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, and so if, if Manchester United get through, they'll fancy them over the two legs, won't they? Certainly. Um, if if they can avoid a, <clears throat> a Man City um, or possibly a Chelsea and Bayern Munich, I think that we will have every faith of going to the, the semi-finals of this competition and then going from there. We know that they're good enough to win it. They've um, they won it. Well, it could be three years on it by the time it comes around, but um, or two years. So yeah, I I, I think it, it is a good point in terms of looking at the overall draw and seeing who can, who will be knocked out rather in, in these next upcoming legs. Um, but there's no doubt they would have preferred the the first draw for themselves, if not quite for, for the rest of the draw. When, as you say, it was a case of all the big hitters avoiding each other and um, look like they were all. Know, pretty nailed on to go into the last uh, last eight. We all know the, the reasons why Liverpool didn't go as far last season, Kai, as, as what they would have wanted to. But does that add anything in terms of, of this season's competition? Does it give them any extra motivation at all? Or do you think they just would have been among the favourites anyway and it doesn't particularly make much difference? Uh, no, I don't particularly think Liverpool are going to want it anymore. I, I don't think they, they could have wanted it more, uh, if I'm being honest. I think, you know, that the start of the season... They'll, they'll set their targets and they're, they're going to want to win the, the Premier League and the Champions League. Uh, you know, we saw how close they came to doing that in, in 2019. They lost the league on last day of the season to uh, to City, obviously, and then went and won the, the Champions League just a couple of weeks later. So they're, they're certainly capable of putting in the performances and, and going the distance in, in both of the competitions. Um, I just think it's, it's a case of you know taking it each round at a time. And as you say there, it's, it's arguably better draw for, for Liverpool to have Inter Milan of course not in terms of you know that Salzburg is going to be an easier match on paper but if, uh, if the risk is greater in terms of a, a trickier tie but once you do get through some of the big hitters have gone and the, the path could be a little bit clearer you've got Ajax and Benfica uh, who are uh, playing each other so you know one of those two is going to be in the quarterfinals we saw at the uh, Liverpool won the Champions League they had Porto in the quarterfinals so you're not going to get 
much of an easier draw than that that deep into the competition and they might find themselves in a, a similar situation this season. Yeah, very much so. Well, away from the, the Champions League draw, Liverpool, of course, beat Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa by a goal to nil at Anfield on Saturday. It was a really important win, Gorsley, a real fight for the Reds to get over the line. But get over the line, they did. Was this another example, do you think, of the mentality monsters type thing in, in many ways? It was a really close-fought game. Liverpool had to earn the right to get the three points, but in the end, that's exactly what they managed. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a... Big weekend in the title race for all three teams at the top, wasn't it? To show their reserves of character. City, by all accounts, weren't at their best against Wolves. And um, I was at Wolves last week to see what what they can do as a defensive unit. And once again, they, they, they were very good against City and undone by a very harsh penalty, but the penalty that they did score and they did win. And um, Chelsea at home to Leeds. Um, again, another hard fought one. Leeds really given as good as they got, but Chelsea somehow found a way to win. And, and it was the same for Liverpool, wasn't it, Liverpool? Uh, it wasn't after the game. I was off the weekend, but Kai was there in, in my place, so we'll have a better chance to inform our listeners about the game itself. But um, from what I've seen, the extended highlights and so on, Liverpool were much the better team, created all the games, big chances. And um, on another day, it could have been another 3 or 4 nil win, um, but it wasn't to be, but... You've stuck at it and uh, come away with a, a big three points because it would have been you know, such a, a deflating result to have um, knocked them away from that with uh, maximum points. I think now Liverpool have got to be looking at it in this title race, thinking that they probably can't afford to be dropping too many points now around field. They've obviously already drawn with Brighton, City and Chelsea. So, um, you know, the season they won the, the Premier League title, I think Brighton were the only team to take points off them around field and that was after the title has already been won, so um, that's the kind of standard you have to be held to for your home form if you want to win titles, and from here on in, Liverpool have got to be looking at maximum points, so um, they got them at Anfield, uh, got them against Aston Villa, and now it's a slightly easier looking fixture with Newcastle on Thursday night. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, we'll come to, to Newcastle very shortly. Kai, you and I were, were both at the game. I was really impressed, actually, as much as it was frustrating for Liverpool to be frustrated by Aston Villa's play, the way that they set up, I thought was very much Jose Mourinho-esque. But I have to say, after just a couple of weeks of Steven Gerrard being in that job, to have got them set up that defensively well-drilled, I thought was actually a, a real sign of, of how good a coach and how good a manager Steven Gerrard really is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you make that comparison, actually. One of my uh, good friends is a, is a Chelsea fan, and first thing I said to him after the game was it reminded me exactly of the uh, the Gerrard slip match when the only intention that Mourinho and Chelsea had that day was just to spoil the party, as he put it. Um, straight from you know the, the word go, they were taking time to throw in. Players were leaving the, the ball for each other to take free kick. Oh, I thought you were taking it, and you know, little... little Little game, the, the goalkeeper was drinking from his water bottle. He must have been pretty thirsty. He was uh, had a, had quite a few goes on that screen goal kick. So yeah, it, it wasn't a pretty game. And um, you know, Theo uh, Theo Squires made the point in, in his piece after the match that if uh, if this is Steven Gerrard's team and this is how his teams play, then it's, it's not a style that Liverpool are going to want. And he won't be. You know, he, he can do that at Liverpool. And I think I think the. He maybe um, got a few replies saying that it's it's, it's, it's 
it's a one-off game. And I think that was his point. It's, he won't be playing like that every single week. I think Villa have been playing, uh, you know, pretty attacking football. And e- even against City, they didn't really dig in and, and uh, employ the tactics they did at Anfield on Tuesday night. But um, oh, sorry, on, on Saturday uh, Saturday afternoon. But yeah, it was it was a game plan, and uh, to be honest, it worked. If if you look at it in the fact that Liverpool won the won the game with a penalty, um, with not a long time left to go in the game. Aside from that, then then it would have been a, a ball nil nil draw, and that's exactly what Gerard wanted, and that that's what that's what they almost got. So, yeah, I think um, a game plan worked and was executed well. Um, they were just unfortunate, and yeah, Liverpool much the better side, but um, ultimately the pressure and uh, you know clear penalty. I think Gerard questioned it on in a few of his interviews after the game, saying he thought. Salah had fouled Mings first, but I, I didn't see that for me. I think uh, he, he beat him all ends up and Mings brought him down. But uh, yeah, a, a good attempt, Gerard. But um, fortunately, fortunately for him, uh, wasn't quite able to see it through. Yeah, really impressive setup from him. You, you mentioned the, the penalty there. I'm sure you'll have seen that incident, Gorsty. I think the, the actual penalty itself was really impressive from Mohamed Salah. Emi Martinez was in his face. Tyrone Mings was as well. It took seemingly three or four minutes I'm sure it wasn't quite that long but it did feel like a long time before that penalty was taken and as Mohamed Salah so often does just put it straight in the corner and, and scored yeah it's um it's another kind of string to his bow with Salah with the penalties I think he's scored now 15 in a row um so he's kind of looking up at that Matt Letizier record which is 23 I think between 94 and, and 2000 so we'll have that one in the sights. And it's not just something where he's just happened to have scored quite a few penalties in a row. This is a player who leaves no stone unturned in trying to be his absolute best. Um, and I think the anecdote from Ben Foster after the Watford game told as much where um, Liverpool have won 5 nil. He's come off scoring one of the goals of the season after one of the assists of the season. And, and he's asking Ben Foster, if I get a penalty, where, where would you have dived? Um so he's just always looking for their marginal gains. And, and lo and behold, the very next game, Salah scores a penalty to make it 3-2 against Atletico Madrid. So um, it just kind of speaks to his willingness to improve. You know, he's, he's probably the best player in the world at the moment and he's still looking for those little things that just make him a little bit better and you know, a little bit more renowned and revered. And um, for any any goal scorer, a penalty is a perfect opportunity to get your tally up, isn't it? So... Um, He's Wrestlow's um, penalty-taking duties off James Milner on a full-time basis. It was a couple of years ago now, maybe. and um, I think he scored 19 of his last 20, thinking back to one he missed against Huddersfield in um, October 2017. The one he missed was against AC Milan um, in the Champions League in September. But other than that, he's stuck them all away. And without that... Um, Bill would have drawn, wouldn't he? So, um, yeah, it's just a, another thing that Salah works at. And, you know, he, he, he just tries to be the absolute best he can be, can't he? And, and at the moment, there's, there's no one better. Yeah, absolutely. 21 goals, I think that is so far this season. Plenty more to come for Mohamed Salah. He'll hope, of course, that they come against Newcastle United on Thursday. That's also downfield. I'm not entirely sure why that game is on Thursday night, to be honest. I can't quite work that one out why it's not on a, a Wednesday as it normally would be. But we will preview that game next. Kyle, come to you first on this one. Newcastle lost 4-0 to a struggling Leicester City at the weekend. This has just got to be a, a big win for Liverpool, hasn't it? 
Yeah, there, there's no other way of looking at it. It's you know we've seen uh, Liverpool grind out a couple of of one nils, um, the games that haven't been pretty in the in the last week or so. But I think you'd be expecting Liverpool to get back to the the, the uh, performances that were scoring two, three, four without even even trying really uh, before the last couple of games. Um, this is the perfect time to play Newcastle. I think they've got over their little wave of new owners and you know riding that that if that ever did come. Uh, I know they got their first win last week, but yeah, brought crashing back down to earth in week. And um, in, in January, they're obviously expecting, you know, pumping in some money, reinforcements. Um, they've been linked with Sven Botman quite, quite heavily, who was linked to Liverpool, I think, a year or two ago. So, you know, if, if you get them in January, February time, they might be a different outfit to what you'd expect to play on Thursday night. So, yeah, I, I don't see anything other than a comfortable victory for Liverpool on Thursday. Yeah, it's, it's these kind of games, isn't it, Gorsty, that we just expect Liverpool to, to turn up and win these days. I think maybe a, a few years ago, you might be slightly worried that Newcastle could sit in and maybe nick a nil-nil draw or something. But it, it just, you know, without wanting to, to jinx them ahead of Thursday, it, it just doesn't quite feel like that's realistic anymore. Yeah, not, not at all. Um, they've just got to go and win it quite comfortably, haven't they? Quite convincingly. Um, Newcastle are dreadful. They're, the struggling to think of a worse team in the Premier League, if I'm honest, and, and they, they're praying for January, aren't they? I think get to spend some of the uh, newfound riches, but difficult to make a case for anything other than a Liverpool win on, on Thursday night. Um, they'll take a 1 0 now if they had to, but you'd fancy Liverpool at the form that they've been in, goal scoring form, particularly. Um, maybe not so much the last two Premier League games, but across the entire season in, in all competitions. Um, you'd expect Liverpool to go and win three, four, maybe even five. Um, I think Salah will be licking his lips. I think he might have seen match of the day and seen Leicester ripping through uh, Newcastle almost at will at times. Um, and he'll fancy a bit of that on Thursday night. I was just about to say, if there's ever a game for your triple captain, it might be Thursday night. <laughs> Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm sure he'll uh, be looking forward to it. I mean, just in terms of Newcastle generally, Gorsty, I mean, there's been a lot of, of talk about the transfers, kind of mentions there, what they might do in, in January and stuff. But in some ways, I almost wonder if it's, you know, I'm sure a lot of, of Premier League teams are, are looking at it this way. It's it, it's probably better for the Premier League if, if they do go down because it just delays the inevitable sort of rise with all of, of the money they've got for an extra season or so. I'm sure Newcastle fans won't be thinking that, but probably the, the rest of the Premier League is probably quite keen for them to continue being this poor. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but look, money money's no... It doesn't automatically mean you're going to become a, a big-time player. Look at the money Everton have spent over the last five years, um, seemingly to go backwards and backwards. Um, they've spent £500 million or something along those lines and, and they're in a worse shape now than, than they were when David Moyes is in charge operating on a shoestring budget and they had to utilise the loans pretty much every transfer window. Um, obviously, Newcastle operating in a, in a different kind of... Um, market than Everton are and, and we're able to before financial fair play kind of put the brakes on them but um, I don't know what kind of player they, they're going to be looking to target and in January um, they're going to need someone someone really sensible and can you know with, with a football background to point them in the right direction because um, from from the things you see and the things you read it does seem as though the, the Quite a lot of people willing to 
brief the media in an attempt to perhaps feel important in terms of this Newcastle project. And doesn't seem as though they've got a um, you know a sensible structure in place that teams like Liverpool have got and teams like Manchester City because it's more than just money that you that you're throwing at it. It's got to be got to be the right players that you're bringing in. And, and I'm not sure what level they feel that they can go for in January. Um, if, they, if they have a bad January, then there's, there's every likelihood that they're going to be relegated and they're going to be spending a season in the Championship. And how much appetite within the um, ownership structure is there for them to be showing up on a Tuesday night against you know whoever it may be? Um, I'm not too sure. You know, cold Wednesday nights at Deepdale and, and whatever it Maybe it could be a difficult one for them. So they need to get January right, and and that only gives them a fighting chance of staying up. But I don't think they will, to be honest. I think from what I've seen this so far this season, they are really you know one of the three worst teams in the league, and Liverpool have just got to go and pile of misery on them on on Thursday night. Yeah, they look in real trouble, don't they? I think it's going to be really hard, actually, despite the money, to convince anyone to go there because there is that risk that they could get relegated. Someone like a, a James Tarkovsky has been linked, but are Burnley going to get rid of him? I can't see that given their sort of troubles so far this season. But just before we finish the podcast, then we'll pick our teams for this game. Complicated slightly by the, the Tottenham COVID outbreak. We don't quite know what's going to happen with them at the weekend. We might expect a, a couple of changes if that one goes ahead for the Newcastle one, but obviously we are recording this a, a little bit in advance. Alison Gorsty will be in goal, assuming that both games on this week, Thursday and Sunday. Would you expect any changes in the back line or is it just that same four once again? Uh, well, we know Klopp doesn't like that Thursday, Sunday um, lineup. Does he? It's like the Wednesday, Saturday one, particularly with it being the Wednesday, Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Um, it's a little bit later on on the Sundays and it's 4.30 but I still think he might look to chop and change quite considerably actually given that Newcastle aren't exactly a high flyer coming to Anfield um, I think it, it could be a game for um, Ibrahim Akanate at centre-back alongside Van Dijk maybe even Simakash ahead of Robertson uh, I think Trent will play and, and Alisson will play and, and Van Dijk Yeah, I'm going to go with Kanate as well I think that there's a a fighting chance for Simakas at left-back, Kai. Who do you expect to, to come in? Is there even a case for someone like Joe Gomez now back from injury? Is this maybe a, an ideal game to, to put him back into? Yeah, I've got to say, I, I was uh, thinking exactly the same along the lines of Panate and Simakas. Um, there's not, not a chance he's going to want to play Joel Matip three games in a week, you know, with his injury records. And he's been, he's been great this season. And Touchwood hasn't, had an injury yet, but it's because Klopp's been able to manage his games and put him out when he needs to with the likes of Panate and Gomez available. Um, it might come a little bit too soon for Gomez, perhaps, to be thrown straight into a Premier League match. He might be looking at um, maybe a, a cup or something to reason back in. But yeah, for me, it would be, be Canate and then just give Robertson uh, that rest as well. And we've seen Simicast have been a, a more than able deputy when given a chance this season. I'll stick with you for the midfield as well. I'm going to go with Naby Keita, actually. I think we might see him from the start, probably in place of Thiago, I didn't think had the, the best of games at the weekend. Who's your midfield going to be? I'm actually going to stick with the Thiago Henderson-Fabinho three myself. Um, so, yeah, Naby Keita was, was there on uh, Saturday, of course, and uh, he was doing, him and Gomez actually doing quite extensive work with uh, the fitness coach after the game um once all the other fans had emptied out we were 
you know, staying behind for another hour or so. And they they had quite an intense program. Uh, so they're obviously, you know, not not far away and working back towards that first start. But I just, uh, yeah, really enjoying that that run of Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho together and Liverpool, you know, doing well with well with their results and won 15 of 16 starts when Thiago and Fabinho started together. So um, I think just keep that three together as long as you can. Yeah, I'm going to save them, I think, for, for Sunday. That's more in my head rather than using them against the Newcastle team that Liverpool should beat. Gorsty, who are you going to go with? Is a, a shout for, for Cater, Milner even, or possibly even Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? Yeah, I'm all with you, Matt. I think, um, I think it might be a nice time to bring Abicator back into it. He was obviously in good form before the injury, wasn't he? Um, so I think he might play. Um, Milner is also a good option. I don't think Oxlade Chamberlain will play. I think he's obviously played um, on Saturday and then the game before on Tuesday in Milan, didn't he? So I think it might be a good opportunity for him to, to have a breather. Um, so I think I think I'm, I'm mind to go with Henderson. So Henderson, Milner, and Katie a little bit further forward in my, my midfield three. Interesting. A couple of changes in there. We'll stick with you as well, Gorsty, for the attack. Roberto Firmino back in training now, but wasn't in the squad at the weekend. Diogo Jota was, but he only came off the bench. I suppose it's probably more likely to be Jota than on Thursday. Yeah. Um, trying to make a case for Minamino. Um, trying to get him some rhythm, as, as Klopp always likes to talk about, doesn't he? But no, I think I've made quite a lot of changes there in my defence and my midfield. So I'm, I'd be tempted to start Jota down the middle. Um, not not too sure what Origi's status is. Do we will have to keep an eye on on him whether he trains or not this week. But um, I'll go with Salah, Mane, and, and Jota down the middle. Which three are you going for, Kai? Is there an argument that if Origi is fit, you throw him in? Obviously, with AFCOM in mind next month, it's probably worth giving him a bit of rhythm as well in the lead-up to that. Yeah, yeah, you could completely argue that. I think he, he was really unlucky to miss the game on Saturday with a slight knock. Um, you know, he's been in great form and seems to be building up a bit of rhythm before, before January, as we say. Uh, we're going to miss Salah and Mane for a handful of games, so might be an idea to involve him. Um, I will start, I'm going to start Jota, given that he was fit and, and involved on Saturday. And then uh, Firmino and Origi on the bench there to, to come on and help themselves to a goal or two each. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of options for Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp to pick from. Just to finish then, we'll pick our score predictions. I'm going to go 3-0 Liverpool. That's probably quite a conservative estimate, really, for the number of goals that Liverpool will be aiming for. Gorsty, what do you reckon it might be on Thursday? Yeah, I, I don't see any other outcome, to be honest. I think Newcastle will be quite willing to um, get men behind the ball. and I don't think they've got enough organisation or enough qualities to withhold Liverpool. So, um, should we say 3-0? Kai, is it a, a three, three nils or are you going for, for something slightly more ambitious? Um, I think it's a three at least. This is where, you know, you lose one nil and this clip gets played back. But let's go let's go for a four. Liverpool scored quite a few goals in the last, last few weeks. They've done four a few times. So, uh, let's go for a four. 
Yeah, absolutely no problems with scoring goals at the moment for Liverpool so we'll see how it does pan out on Thursday but that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast thanks to both Paul Gorst and Kai Delaney for joining me I'm sure you know by now that we have all of the coverage of the Newcastle game across the echo liverpool.com and Blood Red. and we'll be back on Friday with the next episode of this particular podcast to discuss that game and of course preview Tottenham on Sunday until next time though it's goodbye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.